It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh Everybody, welcome to the first official episode of This Wrestling Life, a podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor in chief of thepopbreak.com and your host of this episode. And I am joined for our first episode by uh, one of my great wrestling friends, a good brother. He is the drummer from for the New Jersey reggae band Dubproof. He is the manager of the Lucha Funk band, The Mystery Men, Kenny Pete is in the house. Kenny, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, hey, ho, ho, hooty hoo. Thanks for having me, Mr. Bill Bodkin. And are, you're a regular on, on some podcasts too, some other ones, aren't you? Uh, or am I making that up? Uh, I call into Pod Van Dam. It's Pod Van Dam. I call in to those guys, uh, good dudes from Ohio. Um, their, their show is super funny, Pod Van Dam. Very good dudes. Uh, met them out at one of the uh, Lehigh Valley Athletic Council, aka LVAC shows. You were a just few at years uh, ago. the one last weekend. Yes, the Real Rumble happened last weekend. It's a tremendous event. Uh, they play two. There's uh, matches. There's wrestling matches beforehand, and then they do a double feature of wrestling movies, and then you can camp out overnight. So you get. The wrestling and the movies and the popcorn and the camping and the fellowship and the fun and good times had by all. Yeah, that's in Mahoning, Pennsylvania? Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the, Mah- the Mahoning Drive-In. It's basically uh, about a half hour north of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's in the, the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania region has become famous for being one of the only, excuse me, only drive-ins in this region. So, yeah, so... Elback and Orange Cassidy was uh, made a cameo. I heard Orange Cassidy made a cameo. He foiled a Big Dan Appreciation Weekend, uh, which was a lot of fun. Big Dan Champion thought he was going to be the man all weekend, but Orange Cassidy stepped in and said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, pal." And then uh, afterwards, also appearing with uh, uh, Television's Bryce Remsburg. Uh, was Good also brother. in the building, was there for photo ops, and uh, I think there's probably about 300 people there, and I oh, think wow. every single one of them got a photo op with Orange Cassidy when, uh, after the matches, before the movies got started. Um, they He had a line around the block and down the street, because uh, Orange Cassidy's cool, everybody. Just in case you didn't know, he's yep. cool. Kenny and I, uh, I guess it was one of my good wrestling friends, besides just being a good friend in real life. Um, you know, we go to shows together when, you know, w- when one did go to shows. The last one we went to was the infamous MLW show at the 2300 Arena. Court where- Bauer did not care for your attire, and he said, you need a new T-shirt, my friend. Yep. So the story on that is, and then I, I actually did see the show, and I understand why they said that, because my big, dumb, gray head was very apparent. Because I, oh, yeah. like I look like a cartoon character. Uh, we are third row, hard cam side, the former ECW arena. And there I am in an AEW t-shirt at an MLW show. I was then tapped on the shoulder after 
one of the greatest and by greatest i mean worst matches i've ever seen in my life and can thank you, you could agree with that uh, yes. king mo versus loki in some sort of mixed martial fruit salad you know cob salad type of match <laughs> and i loudly proclaimed after you know a couple 2300 arena jameson and diets i said that match really effing sucked I don't remember if I curse on this podcast or not, but uh, I, uh, and then I got a tap on the shoulder. I'm like, great. I'm being thrown out for swearing. <laughs> and the guy's like, please put on this MLW t-shirt. It is a size five XL. I could fit my entire family in this shirt. Um, and I wore that and it just made me look like a blubbery mask. And on the episode, one episode, you see me wearing the AEW t-shirt then, I'm in an MLW t-shirt. It was magic. Very Th magical. Through the magic of television. If uh, not, not the only crazy the old, thing we've the, had happen to us at a live event. If you mind regaling the people with uh, that famous quote unquote final Chikara show. Oh boy. That was uh that was crazy. We um we went, that was held at the Trocadero on Arch Street in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Rest in peace, the Troc. Oh, such a good um, It was called Chikara Never Compromise. And uh, basically, it was there. Um, they always, Chikara had tent poles with their, they didn't just have like the constant wrestling shows where it's like, you come see the show every month and whatever it is, it is. They have like a season opener, they have a couple of tent poles in the middle. And then they have their season closer and they write very specific storylines. So this was a bigger show. One of the tent poles in the middle, it was June 2nd. So it was around what they would call, uh, their anniversary slash, uh, Chikarasaurus. So we saw, uh, never compromise. And what happened was, uh, we watched this entire show. It's a whole lot of fun. There's some balcony dives. There's some crazy great high-flying wrestling. There's some great mat wrestling. There's some great tag team wrestling. Uh, lots of over-the-top characters. And then the main event was Icarus, who was grand champion at the time, versus uh, television superstar Eddie Kingston. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? Eddie Kingston. and Marquee uh, television wrestler. Right. It's amazing. So right before, uh, oh wait, actually, uh, Eddie Kingston was grand champion. I had it wrong. Eddie Kingston was grand champion, and Icarus was booked as the hero who was trying to win the grand championship for the first time. Not only that, he was. Remember the whole thing. He was trying to. He was put had his seat saved for his hero Marty Jannetty. Correct. Yeah. And had gear inspired by 1994 uh, Marty Jannetty with the high top singlet in the day glow 90s colors and the neon green. So what had what had happened? So Bill and I are at the edge at the edge of our seats watching watching the main event of this crazy wrestling show. And all of a sudden, uh, Icarus traps Eddie Kingston in a move called the chip Beep special. Oh, that's right. And uh, right before Eddie Kingston was about to submit to this devastating finishing maneuver, uh, a bunch of security guards crashed the ring. They threw Bryce Remsburg, senior official, television's Bryce Remsburg. Television's Bryce Remsburg. Uh, they threw him outside the ring, and they broke up the match. 
and they had uh, the the they commandeered the timekeeper's table where they keep the time of the matches, and they also ring the bell. So they rang the bell a bunch of times as if it was a fracas or a melee. So the constant bell ringing to let everyone know that the match was over, and they dumped the wrestlers out of the ring, and they dumped the referee out of the ring, and they told all the fans to go home, and they trashed the set, and they said Chikara's closed. It's over. It's finished. It's done. And so we're you know, like, okay, so we're going to leave. And so we walk outside and we get out there. And uh, one person who I believe might have been related to Green Lantern fan from oh Classic. God. Yeah, oh, see. Oh, God. An, if ro- you know, an, you know. ROH, an ROH board treasure. If you know, you know. So someone. You know, who I met may... him at a Jersey All Bro Halloween show and he was dressed as the Green Lantern in a skirt. Yikes! Green Lantern fan, if you know, you know. So you know, you know. Uh, turns out someone was either him or someone related to him dropped their shoulder and ran full force into the front door of the Trocadero, smashing the glass. And then the, someone took an t- someone took an iconic picture of an agent of Condor Security wearing sunglasses and wrist tape and then he's looking out the window that spider web smashed and in the reflection of the window you can see me wearing an el generico mask and a, a red disco biscuits t-shirt because it's As philadelphia because it's philadelphia and you rep a philadelphia band when you go see a philadelphia wrestling show in philadelphia i'm also there uh way way skinny and just looking like what what is happening man so what just happened and that ended up being the angle that um where chikara stopped running shows as chikara but they continued running more shows as this company called wrestling is and it was almost like they were more busy as wrestling is than they were as chikara but because it wasn't called chikara People didn't like it, didn't want to support it, didn't care about it. Even though if you went to the website, you obviously saw it was run by the same people who featured all the same wrestlers who did all the same type of things. And, you know, they would basically just have these pop-up shows called Wrestling Is in all over these places. And uh, it was then when it became time for them to bring Chikara back, they finally did. Uh, I think this was like a year and a half later. Yeah, because that was um, 2013, the show we went to. Right, so it was May of 2015 when they brought it back at You Only Live Twice at the uh, Easton Funplex in the Palmer, Easton, Pennsylvania, the uh, Charles Kern Community Center, a.k.a. the Easton Funplex for all of us diehard heads. And they did uh, 1,500 people that day. And uh, after that's like a big sort of era closer. It's like once people, once they did the the shutdown, people sort of split and never like didn't come back because I guess it was just different. And a lot of the characters that they had loved were gone. Uh, you know, there's always a rotating cast. Like at one point, I believe it was between 2016 and 2017 it was about 70 percent of their roster had either gotten signed or moved away or were different so they had to film an entire like secret season to explain all of that stuff in between the season closer in december 2016 
to the season opener in January 2017 yeah. in that eight week break that they took from, you know, season to season, they filmed a secret season and then put up the first three episodes on what was their, uh, their own streaming service that eventually got, um, absolved into, uh, uh, independent TV. Oh, I, I forgot they have, they have that stuff. Yeah. Well, cause that guy it's from... buried, it's buried way at the bottom. Yeah, and I guess rightfully so because yeah uh, the guy running the place happened to be a jerk and uh with a lot of alleged stuff a lot of uh, he was an alleged i mean you could say i mean abuse of power was going on in an alleged sense also knowing that there were other people on the roster doing way worse bad creepy stuff that were still allowed to kind of come around and yeah. be around. It was the time for them about to it. go. So it was time for them to go. But see, we don't, I had a great, it was cool. You know, at the LVAC, I got to see, um, Saturday, I got to see, um, Hot Scoop Skyler and Jeremy Leary, who were oh, a Jeremy. part of Chikara for a little while. They're also friends of, uh, friends of the show, CPA, Top Shelf Troy Nelson, and Mark Sterling, the Off the Hop Rope crew. I wonder if uh, Mark, we're going to see you, Mark Sterling, on Dynamite tonight because Jade Cargill has the open challenge, and we're doing this whole Bam Bam Bigelow, Randy Savage, who's going to be her manager type deal. Selena uh, De Laurenta, because um, <laughs> it's always someone not in the company. Uh, I thought it was going to be Selena Vega, but apparently she's headed back. Um, what's cool about it, the like Camp Lee Prague and like Elvac really kind of picked up a, a bunch of that Chikara vibe, which is pretty cool. Yeah, what I was I was when I was talking with Leary and Skyler, like they came down to be a part of Chikara, and at one point they. Um, they booked a vacation, you know, personally themselves. They said, I'm, you know, unable to be a part of this one thing this one time. And so the dude in charge of Chikara said, okay, well, you don't want to be here. And then wrote the two of them off immediately, like filled their storyline with like, like wrapped up their storyline real abruptly and really poorly. And then gave a speech to the locker room saying only the people who want to be here, want to be here. Mm. And if you don't want to be here, you can leave. Sounds like someone's full-time job. I'm not going to point fingers at myself. So we don't, so they don't, because they had that falling out with that one person, they don't let that sour how they deal with the rest of the locker room. And so they're all still tight and close and friends. And like Leary has brought, you know, a carload of Chikar kids up the limitless. Yeah. You see a lot of also Jeremy Leary also runs, um, Connecticut fed called battle club pro or, uh, Battle, not the one in Jersey. I'm sorry, I just yeah, said yeah, that one. That one's this weekend. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. I know what you mean, but I can't think of it. Real quick, I'm sorry. This is all about this podcast for while Kenny looks it up. You know, if you're ch- tuning in for the first time because you're a big a friend or fan of Kenny, this is a podcast celebrating wrestling fandom. We're not gonna be talking about like you know predictions and spoilers and thoughts on the business and stuff like that. We're just talking about how much we love wrestling and celebrating an unheralded or underrated performer which uh kenny uh has not informed me on which i'm very stoked for Uh, if you listen to our first one which is streaming on spotify apple google and anchor you'll hear me talking about my love and appreciation for jerry lynn jerry lynn rules jerry lynn's the best anyone ever talk smack about jerry lynn okay uh blitzkrieg plus oh yeah blitzkrieg pro yeah 
That is the Fed that Jeremy Leary is uh, director of, and he books Chikara guys up there. I'm looking at I'm looking at a, a flyer right now. The third Blitzkrieg Blitzkrieg Pro, the third annual Luau, Saturday, June 26. I'm looking at a flyer Ooh. that has Travis Huckabee, King Crab, Frightmare and Hollow Wicked, Very Serious Keith, Bobby Orlando, Ali Catch, uh, Travis Huckabee. He's a serious wrestler now. Very serious wrestler. I like Alec it. Hatch, that's a devastating um, crab. Boston Crab she's got going on. And then uh, up in the top corner, you have um, the top dogs of Davian and Hot Scoop Skyler, who are two ladies that will be on television within a year. I would Davian say. was, uh, she was on Dark, I want to say, yeah. at some point. Uh, Let's Krieg Pro, Connecticut. So Ken, let's let's hop into the the heart of the podcast since we've we've you know this is what we, this is like literally right now what we just did is like Kenny and I driving to a show this is what we do, <laughs> um, and so you've been a wrestling fan for a hell of a long time just like me. So who got you into wrestling? I would say I was um, was in the early I would say it was mid eighties. I would say it was my cousin Jared. And um, he was a huge fan of the Road Warriors and the classic Jim Crockett NWA stuff. And he had a collection of after mags, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the wrestler, inside wrestling, stuff like that. So um, basically what I would do, uh, he would get some of the mags and then I would sort of check them out. And then I would be like, oh, well, what's this guy all about? Or what's this dude all about? Stuff like that. And then basically moving around the dial cable wise you know they would be like oh well the nwa those guys are for real they're on at 605 on saturday nights but you know you want to watch that cartoon fake wwf stuff that's on at like saturday mornings but the nwa is cool that's where it's really at i'm going to show you this no one can see this it's an audio podcast this is my dad got this from me when i was sick one time 25th anniversary of the wrestler magazine oh that's excellent from 1991 okay on the looks back, like mil mascaris on the cover which right. my dad was a huge mark for mil mascaris on the back oh, a 900 that's... number for rick rude you but... have to post a picture of that when this goes up oh post a picture of that back cover that rick rude had because that's ravishing rick rude no one sleeps through a rude awakening you name them rick will shame them that's right. I got to show you this next time we go to a show. I'm going to bring this in the uh, on the van ride over, man. Because it's, it's oh, you don't have the van anymore. Uh, yeah, because it's that's like, fine. It, it'll still be a van. It's still a van in my heart, my friend. And uh, yeah, they have like like they you know they basically recap the years the year end winners and top feuds and stories, and then they have like all, all that beautiful stuff. They have like an eight page glossy with some old pictures going back from so 25 years from 1991, going back a hell of a long time, including I think they got some tri state wrestling from philly like the precursor to ecw sure actus like and eddie gilbert which like is- joel goodhart stuff yeah dude yeah totally Joel goodhart classic uh south jersey philly-based promoter worked with the nwa after mags yeah. and back in the day were the coolest man because you could go into that that results section and you would just see all these names like that you were like who is pacific northwest who's the grappler sure. like still <laughs> still to this day um I mean, they stopped. They stopped because of COVID, because of the number of live events not happening. Yeah. But still, to this day, Pro Wrestling Illustrated does the three or four page arena reports from not only like WWE house shows, but like 
indie shows that you know people would care about, like yeah. AIW or Beyond or Ring of Honor. Yes, Ring of Honor. I mean, that's not really indie anymore. But, but, but well, but still, like that would be in there. But then you also have like rando indies from Georgia and like rando indies from like the Midwest that are just like you know, the classic 40 miler shows with like one headliner, like one person who's like a mid card person on television is the top draw. It's like, you know, what am I in, in Jersey in 1994? And it's Chris Masters. Is Is this a dapper deal in Bricktown at the Elks Lodge? Like what's going on? Oh my God. I, I'll tell you some, I'll tell you some stuff off the air. Um, Joseph has got plenty of those stories for us. Uh, yeah. And so does our buddy, Rob. From the Bob Culture podcast, he's deeply entrenched. Um, yes. So you started from your cousin. Um, yeah. Can you? Uh, so, like, yeah, just take it. What What hooked you, man? I just I don't know. I think it was just the the whole like the presentation of it. Like, I love that it was you know it was like these big dudes and they're you know doing these athletic things, but then there were also um, smaller guys. Like, I think it was probably the characters. And the colors, I mean, you know, it was a huge, you know, it was prime time to be a Hulkamaniac. Like, of course. Um, you know, I remember, I don't remember, like, my first real moment, because I think I, I got into it between WrestleMania and WrestleMania 2. I remember, yeah. like, I remember the feud between Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Outlaw Ron Bass, when, like, Ron Bass pulled the, pulled the spur off of his boot and went coast to coast across uh, Brutus's forehead, and they put a big red X on the screen. Like, it was crazy, you know, I remember that. I remember um, a Survivor Series tape, like, you know, renting it, and it was like Ron Bass and, like, because it was like, it was like a, like an early earlier one, and we were, like, into the Macho King era when I was watching, and it was just like, he's going after Ron Bass. I'm like, why would he care about this kind of pudgy cowboy? I don't get this. Right. Apparently he hated Ron Bass. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and just that stuff, like, uh, just the over the, probably just the over the top characters that brought stuff. Like, I mean, I remember that like the horsemen were the bad guys and dusty, uh, dusty Rhodes was the man. He was, he would feud with the horsemen and then everybody would, um, you know, everybody would gang up on Dusty, and who's going to come out and save Dusty? It was Nikita Koloff, or is the Road Warriors, or is Lex Luger, whatever. And then I remember the famous, there's a super famous episode where, um, see, Dusty, see, I didn't know this as a little kid, but I found out later that Dusty Rhodes was writing the NWA, and he right, was like yeah. the booker, he was the guy in charge of writing the matches. And so at one point, he booked the Road Warriors to be, to turn on him be a heel and road warrior animal unscrewed one of the spikes from his Wait, shoulder you watched, you watched that episode live i watched that episode live oh my god i saw as that as it happened as a kid oh and my I, god like dude i can't remember blood as a kid like i don't remember oh gosh i can't remember the last time i saw someone bleed i can't remember the first time i saw someone bleed on tv maybe it was hogan and it's it's weird it's weird that i mentioned two big blood incidents like within 10 minutes of this podcast about like me watching wrestling as a youngster like the ron bass when ron bass went you know uh coast to coast across you see baby that's by the way if anyone doesn't anytime you ever hear me say coast to coast it is solely to pop kenny (laughs) solely to pop kenny coast to coast slice and dice on the razor 
Oh, dude, I, I've cursed on so many podcasts about Double or Nothing saying Nick Gage is going to come out as the Joker, and I just do his whole thing. And people are like, wow, oof, yeah, okay, Bill. <laughs> He's the god of this shit, you know? He is. And no one knows that that's the first part of his nickname. So when I say the god of this shit, everyone's like, oh, uh, this is going to a place I don't understand. Right, and right. Like, Listen, you got to be there, pal. You got you to gotta be MDK, otherwise you don't know. That was a great Dark Side of the Ring episode. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was really Yes, good. it was. Especially in Korea, it was good. And good. Well, not as great as I wanted it to be. No, they're, they're, I don't I don't think they're going to top that Nick Cage episode. So, um, Do the yeah. FMW one? That's true. Well, it could uh, be. I mean, it could be. We'll that'll see. Just, that'll just hit a lot of Suncoast video soft spots for me. I will say I did love um, Two Cold Scorpio being oh, well, the baddest man on the planet. Right there. Saying that he would... Uh, you know, do all the stuff that he did to Road Warrior Hawk, who was like legitimate knuckle, legitimate psycho knucklehead. Yeah, I and mean, I mean that I the Scott best Norton, loving way I possibly can. Scott Norton's like, well, you know, if Hawk was in his right mind, he would kill Scorpio. I'm like, oh, maybe could be interesting. Right, be interesting, be a good scrap, but but yeah, I mean, you were so you have always been someone like we became friends because you were super into the indies. You were into the, always into the alternative, like the stuff you're talking about, especially we're talking about dusty getting a spike in his eye. Wearing a white shirt too. As as, as, as one should. Um, Especially as a heavy man wearing a white shirt, that always should happen, especially on a Saturday. Um, is so is that always been something for you is like having the alternative to like the mainstream with wwe is like is that something not not a bad thing at wwe but has the alternative always appealed to you because it has for me like i always like wwe was always the mainstream is always something i watched but like i was always like watching global awa world class ecw impact AEW, you know stuff like that like why is that always appealed to you I've just always been a fan. Like I've just been like yeah. just soaking it all up. Like I I don't know why. Like you know, I was into it as a kid. We we all have those, you know, people, you know, our age have at least the time where it's like they watched it when they were little and then like they faded out a little bit in like the mid sort of teenage years. And then like I remember like sort of watching it. I guess up until about I guess Mania 5. And like me and my buddy Brian were big macho fans, and we didn't think that, you know, Hogan would be able to just do his shtick after two giant elbows. And we're like, eh, it's kind of lame. So between Mania 5, Mania 10, we sort of fell off. But he would still get Mania every year to watch, like, oh, we'll check in and see what's going on. And then right. Mania 10 it was like, oh, the main event is Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. Okay, I can get into that. Sure. And like, yeah, you had your your crush Macho Man, you know, Falls Count Anywhere three minute match, and then you had your your crazy ladder match, you know, with Sean and Razor on that show, and then you know Brett and Owen having the technical when they first started, which was awesome. Oh yeah, you know that match is incredible, still stands up to this day. And then you know seeing our favorite dude Bret Hart win the world title at the end, like that was a great show. And then so I you know would still follow it here and there, and then by I guess ninety six. Uh, by WrestleMania 12, I was like in it and like strictly just watching WWF. And then we didn't get into watching WCW until uh, like we, we knew WC, we stopped watching WCW because it was just like, oh man, this is just like, this is so bad. It got, it and, got rough. It got rough like 93, 
I would say 90. And then when they brought in Hogan, I got back into it, but then it was like too cartoony. Yeah. But then 96 never... was when they, when they started doing nitro, what always would bring me back was cause my dad as well. Cause he and I would watch all the time was anytime they bring Liger back. My dad was like, I am what that was his dude. He was like, I am watching this. Like, cause he was the, him and Pillman opened up uh, the first nitro. Right. So it was like, he was like, I'm in. If Liger's there, I'm in. And then eventually it was like, oh, here's other guys from Japan. Oh, here's the luchadors. And my dad's like, I don't care what WWF is doing. Like, give me, put this in my veins. Rey Mysterio, you're my dude. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that was the same thing for us. Like, and then it was like, oh, Ray. So being diehard 96 WWF fans yeah. was like, oh, Razor left. Yeah, but WCW is so bad. I don't care. 25 oh, years he, ago this weekend. You know, oh, Diesel left. Oh, w so W so bad. I can't watch it. And then so it finally got to, so at this point, um, Mr. Perfect was um, sort of flirting with coming back with WWF. He was a commentator. He uh, helped manage uh, Marvelous or the Wild Man Mark Merrow to the Intercontinental title. And then he swerved Mark Merrow and gave the t- uh, Intercontinental title to Triple H. And then he was gone. And we're like, what What happened? What oh, happened to Mr. Perfect? Mr. Perfect? And then he shows up on a WCW pay-per-view when Arn Anderson, I think, when Arn Anderson was talking about my spot, dog spot, liver spot, my spot, and the horseman. Uh, I think he was there before that. Okay, but yeah, either way, yeah, uh, I might be confusing bits, but when we saw Probably Mr. So. Perfect, when we saw Fall Brawl, Fall Brawl 97, uh, Kurt Henning turns on the horse horseman and slams Ric Flair's head in a cage door. That's when we were like, okay, we have to at least start paying attention to Nitro. So we would take, Which, we would still, we were still diehard WWF guys. We would watch Raw, say that it was better, even though sometimes it wasn't. It usually wasn't at that time. But the main event, the main events were always great. Like WCW, they were, they were WWF and WCW at the time. WWF would give you wonky mid card, but the main event always delivered. Right. Whereas WCW was... had the greatest under and mid cards, oh, and the God. and the main events were awful. You're thinking so about how would, Jericho so we was would, opener. We would opener. fast forward through. We would tape, watch Raw, tape Nitro, and fast forward through the dumb stuff. And then you the get first, through the Salvatore sincere Los Bariquas stuff. No, we'd watch all that and say it was great. <laughs> I always hated um, it. I remember skipping yeah. some of that stuff. I remember my dad coming in one time. He's like, "You know, Steve Austin pulled uh, Brian Pillman pulled a gun on Steve Austin." I'm like, "What?" We watched that live. It was I'm insane. Just, I was just like, "All right, I'll watch Ray Mysterio and Psychosis. I'm fine." See, now that's the thing for us. So the first pay per view we quote bought with you know Baj's mom's hot box. What you gonna do? Hot but, box. Uh, <laughs> Statute of limitations, whatever, man. It's the 90s. It's fine. TKR doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> was literally um, Halloween Havoc 97. Oh. And we saw Ray. That was the first time oh that God. we oh really saw Ray and Eddie. Oh. And I mean, that's an incredible match that no one's ever going to be able to re, re, you know, have again, including them when they had rematches, Anywhere. you know, the following Nitro and then on World War Three in November they weren't as good. They were chasing the dragon of trying to have that great Halloween Havoc match again. And so once we saw those guys, we were like, oh, this is for real. And then it was like, oh, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Hoovtu Guerrero, Billy Kidman, Conan, like 
all of these guys, you know, Booker T, Chris, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Dean, oh, it's like Chris Dean, Canyon, Dean Malenko. Uh, oh yeah. Mortis. Dude, I, ever, dude but I was that kid. Were you that kid growing up where like you would watch all the wrestling and you see people show up and you'd be like, well, I know Booker T was in with Stevie Ray and global. Like, X Pac shows up. Like I remember, like X Pac show when he's one two three kid. My dad's like, "Hey, one two, why do we know the one two three kid?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's the lightning came from Global." And he's like, "I knew it, I knew it." I I remember Brian Pillman being a rookie from the like early Clash of the Champions. Yeah, yeah. And then when like he was still in WCW, like having that Liger match, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember Brian Pillman," you know, stuff like that. I remember Steve yeah. Austin in when he was uh, when he was in Global feuding with gentleman Chris Adams, and then he was uh, doing the Hollywood Blondes in uh, WCW. Yeah, man, it was it's it's weird when you're like it's a it's like a it's like a self brag that you could think to yourself like I know that guy, I've seen him before. We could do that now. Yeah, like, like I knew, I seen Eddie Kingston in like, like in front of like where a stage got torn down. Yeah, you know. Even though I knew. Like I only knew of Cactus Jack through the after mags. Oh, I see. Yeah. I saw him in WCW and World Class happening at the same time. Although the World Class stuff I found out was in reruns. Yeah. Now, see, I don't remember. I remember watching World Class on ESPN. Yep. But I don't remember ever watching Global. Global and then, like, well, I would remember like Cactus Jack would always be in the after mags, and I knew he was in WCW. I just didn't watch. And then when he came into WWF as Mankind, I was really hyped. Like, he was a guy that fits your bill. Like, oh, yeah, I knew him as Cactus Jack. Like, that would be a good example of that. Oh, like Ron Simmons. I knew who Ron Simmons was when they brought him. Like, I remember Doom when they were masked. And I was like, who's that's Ron Simmons in a mask? Like, what are they doing? But But, I'll tell you um, what, if you want a a random Mick Foley recommendation, (laughs) definitely check out. Cactus Jack versus Van Hammer in a false count anywhere match from a he, didn't he talk about that in his in Have a Nice Day, his first book that came out in nineteen ninety eight. That all you kids should read and then reread and then read again because it's yeah, the read, reason why every wrestler has a book now. Yeah, I mean I've read it four times. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely watch that because it's good and his and his stuff in that time with Sting was super good. But that was a um, there is a cameo. I'm not gonna if you haven't seen the match, Kenny. I'm not gonna ruin the cameo at the end. But I'll, I'll look it back. I'll look it up again. You like you will enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good. It's a, it's a good match. Missy Hyatt has a comedy spot in it, but it's actually a pretty good match. Like for me to say a Van Hammer match, and I was a big Van Hammer fan when I was a kid because it's like <laughs> cool '90s rocker guy. All right, I'm a kid. I'm supposed to be. Cool. I'm supposed to buy into this. Someone tried making fun of me for being like, how could you pick against, like, saying something negative against Sting? I'm like, yeah, well, I tried convincing my parents to, to give me a flat top and dye it blonde, but they wouldn't let me. Um, so, yeah, I am a true Sting fan. Oh, man. We had, I had, um, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated used to come with, like, a two-page centerfold, like, fold-out of oh, guys, right? I and, I mean, I would cut out all the color pictures of dudes. I had so many pictures of Surfer Sting on my wall. The best. And the best I remember... Day. I remember going away on a camping vacation and my cousin Scott, who was older than me, but a huge Ric Flair fan, 
um, I come home from this, like, you know, camping summer. I'm away with my parents. We're camping across the country. I come home, you know, six or seven weeks later. And I see that he drew a mustache on, like, the coolest picture of Sting oh. that I had on my wall. And I flipped out. It was so funny. But, uh, you know, I look back on it now and laugh. But I was, like, heated as, like, a nine-year-old, you know. As, as and, one should be. Dude, yeah. I remember the first big angle. Like, the first, like, time I can remember a hot angle was, and it was, like, the class champions of Corpus Christi where Sting gets nuked, his knee gets nuked. And then he's cl- trying to climb the cage to get in against the horsemen when they're fighting, um, it's, like, Buzz Sawyer, Dragon Master. It was a JTEX or Yaka Zombie, Yaka. Kamikaze. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Hart's Gary Hart. you know, Japanese American stable. Straight and, razor. You ain't nothing but a gaijin and you ain't nothing but a gaijin. Let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah. It's so, great Muda, it's out here for competition. The Kobuki is here. And you're just like, dude, come on. Uh, <laughs> but he's uh but yeah, Sting's climbing it and Pillman and all the baby faces are trying to pull Sting off the side of the cage. And I remember I can't remember to pay my bills sometimes, but I can remember that image in my head of just like them trying to pull Sting. His knee is all taped up. He's trying to get up there. And I'm just like, I want to see Sting rip their faces off. And I was like eight years old. And my dad's like, you're right. I do too. (laughs) This is going to happen. And I'm just like, it was great. So speaking of shows, can you remember the first like major, like, because if we're Northeast guys, so I'm assuming it's going to be WWF. Like first yes. show you ever went to? Because I got I got some names for you, dude. On my oh, okay, cool. You're gonna laugh at. This is gonna be very funny. Um, the first wrestling show that I ever went to was with uh, my aforementioned friend Brian Baj. Two of us, we were 17, 18, and we met up with a few of our friends, and we traveled from Point Pleasant, New Jersey, south to the Spectrum in Philadelphia, which is now known as Xfinity Live. And it That's happened- Xfinity Live? Yes. They bulldozed the spectrum Man. and they built Xfinity Live on top on the on they the, were the of parking lot. That shitty Exactly. And so it happened to be um, this is in May. Now think about the timing. This is May of nineteen ninety six. Okay. They were on a loop where they did Philadelphia and the next day, they did Madison Square Garden. So when I read you who was in the semi-main and the main event of the first show that I ever saw, you will put two and two together and be like, wow, that was the night before the curtain call. Oh, shit. So oh, I shit. literally saw the show, the second to last show that razor and diesel put on as razor and diesel proper in 1996 i walked around the entire concourse looking for for merchandise the only shirt that they were selling was the black and gold full print of razor ramon it was like the one that like drake i think was wearing the repro of uh, on you know you, f- you see a famous picture of Drake wearing a, p- a t-shirt of a wrestler and it's this repro of 1996. Okay, I was thinking, is that the rapper or are we talking about that guy? Yes, yeah, about? yeah, the rapper, the guy, the dude from Canada on Degrassi. 
Kevin Smith. Kevin, yeah. The one time I could bring my wife on a wrestling podcast is talk about Drake on the Grassy because she's seen right. it. Right. Exactly. See, I, I'm I'm for everybody. I'm not just for uh, for the neckbeards. You like tricks. You like trick loves the kids. Kenny That's loves. Right. Kenny loves everybody. So uh, oh, basically, it's, can't believe he's not holding a tag rope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was the literally the only shirt that you could buy at this 1996 house show was this all over print of Razor Ramon, and I was like. Meh. Uh, I ended up finding one stand that had a Bret Hart hat, and the guy who sold it to me tried to sell me. I said, "Oh, let me have that Bret Hart hat," and he goes, "Okay," and he grabs like the Shawn Michaels striped, like Judas Priest biker thing that he was doing. I was like, "No, no, no, the Bret Hart hat." <laughs> like, no, I would like a baseball cap. I don't want like a faux bikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need the glasses or the earrings either, but thank you. Um, so anyway, this so this show, uh, first match, like we, I missed this one. We came in on the third match, so I missed the Bushwhackers versus the New Rockers of Leaf Cassidy, Marty Jannetty, and then immediately following that, Savio Vega defeated Marty Jannetty. I don't know why they had him wrestle two matches in a row. That's he's, he's, he's freaking Marty Jannetty in 96, and he was a workhorse. Obviously. Dude, it, yeah. someone played a 19, like a greatest, like a highlight clip recently on Twitter of Marty Jannetty in 95. I forgot how good Marty Jannetty is. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we look at him now and you're like, holy smokes, Ninja. But, hey, like, yeah, but he's like, you know, back then. But we did get to see Savio Vega at that MLW show, so I made up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the first match that we actually saw, we got there a little bit late. So this was actually the first match, was the British Bulldog defeating Ahmed Johnson. Ooh, with all the with the with the knee pads up to his quads. All of them. Yep, he had all those knee pads on, and still did not. Uh, it still did not help him in his battle with the British Bulldog that day. Of course, it did. British Bulldog was one of my favorites. He's the best. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Owen Hart. And uh, I'll tell you more about that with Mick Foley's story in a second. Um, Steve Austin, the million-dollar champion with Ted DiBiase, defeated Jake Roberts with Yellow Snake Revelation. Okay. Oof, we are going uh, some deep cut stuff right there, bro. I got to see that. I, uh, Vader with Corny Jim Tennis Racket Man Tennessee defeated the Tennessee Two-Stepper. Uh, defeated Yokozuna, and this was oh. Yokozuna at Maybe. his heaviest. Yeah. This is was like, that beardy Yokozuna? Yes. This oh. is like 600-pound beardy. The match was like five minutes long. was not very good. Vader bomb, match over. Uh, the Body Donnas, Skip and Zip as World Tag Team Champions with Sonny, defeated Henry O and Phineas I, the Godwins. Yikers. And then in your semi-main, you have Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating Razor Ramon. Pedigree, clean as a whistle, one, two, three. Never should have happened. And in your main event, you have a solid steel cage match. Solid steel! The blue the and blue steel? The big blue steel. Uh, WrestleMania 2, you know it. We have... Uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel challenging champion Shawn Michaels. 
we, of course, not just me and uh, my buddy Brian, but the rest of our crew, there are about six of us, we were all huge Bret Hart fans. Uh, had a giant sign that said, Bret Hart is still WWF champion. To And we were about sixth row from ringside, and Sean climbs the cage on the corner right in front of us and literally holds the, the title, the winged eagle, and just waves it back and forth. Like in front of all of us, like when we're yelling for Bret Hart, um, which was great. And then at one point during the match, um, Sean was about to climb the cage and escape. And the British Bulldog ran down in jeans to climb up the cage and punch him, fight him back into the ring. This was during the, when they were doing the um, In Your House, Beware of Dog, Mm -hmm. In Your House, Beware of Dog 2 uh, Etc. So that was how they sort of tied in what was going on currently on TV with the main event, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, super kick, Michaels wins. Sexy boy, sexy boy. Uh, Diesel hangs out in the bah. Diesel hangs out in the ring for like 15 minutes, and then finally just gets up and leaves. And then the next day they did probably the same show, and it was the curtain call. So, yeah. So now Mick Foley in his book that we mentioned, um, Have a Nice Day, he talked about how Owen Hart would have quote-unquote bad matches just to entertain the boys. Like, Brett would lock lock Owen Hart in a sharpshooter and he would like feign falling asleep or he would feign smoking a cigarette or eating a plate of eating a bowl of cereal or something, you know, like Owen would do all these, you know, he'd cinch up on a submission hold and Owen would like, you know, act like... It was no big deal, or no sell it, or do something funny, right? So, on this show, it's the Ultimate Warrior versus Owen Hart. So, Owen Hart comes out first, you know, jabbers with the crowd, big heat, whatever. They hit Warrior's music, whole place goes nuts, he runs out to the ring, big deal, blah, 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 blah. Runs in the ring, shoulder tackle, hits Owen with a shoulder tackle. Owen gets up, Warrior hits him with a third shoulder tackle. Owen get a second shoulder tackle. Owen gets up. Warrior flies in for shoulder tackle number three. And then Owen, at that point, falls over like a redwood tree. Like, he didn't sell it like a bump. He didn't sell it like it hurt. He sold it like he just got hit and then went dead man and fell. That was the finish of the match. It was literally three shoulder blocks pinfall warrior wins and i was like that's it i was like no no big splash no gorilla press slam no clothesline nothing nothing and then you know when i was like and owen just like fell over weird like that was weird (laughs) and then you know that was in 1996 so in 1998 when i'm reading you know christmas 1998 i'm reading mick foley's book and just like ripping through it he gets to the point where, you know, Owen Hart loves to have bad matches, and the light bulb went off in my head, like, oh, wow, I saw a bad Owen Hart match and didn't even realize it. You know, I had I uh, I had a Mick Foley, that book. Um, remember when he talks about, or it might have been the second book, actually. Remember when he talks about going, showing up after his injury in, like, 98, 99, at a house show at the Continental, Continental Airlines Arena. He tells an Al Snow joke and nobody laughed. Oh, yeah. One guy laughed. This guy. I laughed my ass off. But, yeah, so I, I was, I was, I read that and I was like, I laughed at you, Mick. Um, <laughs> I'll t- let me tell you. I was there for you, buddy. 
Ozer Pell, I believe is 1991. Listen to this super card of super cards. Okay. Opening match. Rhythm and Blues era Greg the Hammer Valentine yes. versus Sam Houston. Wow. That's you want to talk about a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Paul Roma loses to the Latin heartthrob Al Perez. Wow. You get Rick Rude beating Tito Santana. Bushwhackers okay. over the Bolsheviks. Oof, that had to be a rough one. Not if you're not if you're eight years old. Sure, yeah, you're, yeah. Doing, you're doing the Bushwhacker dance, right? You're uh, Heart Foundation beating the Colossal Connection. Ooh, that's a good match. It, it was a good match. Double main, first main, Dusty Rhodes uh, defeating the Big Boss Man, and then Jake the Snake Roberts defeating Ted DiBiase. And what is wild is that Jake Roberts and Ted DiBiase still very relevant in programming happening right now. Yeah. I saw uh, Ted DiBiase was the special, was the celebrity guest at AIW 200 in November, Akron, Ohio, November, uh, 2019. Yeah, so you're a big, he did a, he did a bit with the Duke and the Bitcoin boys as he and the Duke, like, you know, got clotheslined, got million dollar dreamed, got the hundred in his mouth. And then he was like, you know what? You're not worth the money. And he takes it back after takes it back from him. Big Ted did all of it, man. It was great. Ted, um, you're a big indie guy. So you, you got, you know, you took me to my first Chikara show, which is actually my first, um, WrestleCon. Yes. 2013. 2013. In, crazy. Uh, we, we walked past Kev, Kevin Ash walked past us and someone yelled at him, don't blow out your hip. And I just was like, this guy is a monster. He'll murder you. Yeah. Which Kevin Nash looked back to me and said like, Right, and um, we t- talking about six oh five with Kevin Sullivan. And remember the gimmick room, and you know who was standing right there in the gimmick room? Dustin Ro- Dustin Rhodes is gold dust. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that was like that was when uh, that was like not so good, not so good. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, they they took all the they put all like the Mantar um, was in there. Yeah, they put all like the oddball kind of guys. I don't remember like, many others, but I remember Sullivan because we talked to him. Yeah, and he was because he was also right at the door too. He was yeah, right he was. there, that trying to get a number on the salts. Yeah, he was. Uh, but I remember my first indie show. Independent Wrestling Federation. The year was 2000 at the Oak Tree Road, JCC in Edison, New Jersey. And who happened to be on that show? A very young Robert Stone, now in NXT. Incredible. Uh, Also on that show, Allison Danger, uh, founder of Shimmer. Yeah. And uh, my dad won the the raffle, the 50-50 raffle, where he got a uh, uh, free gift card to the hometown buffet, which was absolute uh, the drizzles. And <laughs> after my dad left the ring, a uh, Rocky wannabe named Tony Marinara comes into the ring. Wow. And is a heel. And who puts him in the corner for the 10 count punch? The hometown buffet mascot, which was a bumblebee. Gives him the old 10 punches in the corner. Wow. Also, the only other person that's, that's indie rific. The only other person was Josh Daniels, who I think ended up going to like zero one at one point. I think that was, that was about it. It was as about as rific as you possibly could get. So uh, let's see. So okay, 
there were so I went to the house show in '96. I went to the ECW arena in 1997. The it was the television taping after November to Remember '97. Uh-huh. Most famous for seeing Lance Storm and Chris Candido win the tag team titles. Was that Radville Lance Storm? No, I think he had cut it at that point, but it was like Tank the maker recently, recently cut, recently cut Rattail. Um, and this was the beginning of the Candido Storm feuding tag team partners as champions. Wasn't a huge fan of that myself. Well, it's it's a trope. They use it. Um, they always had pretty entertaining matches. Oh, they, they did. Fun, sure. like together with a lot of stuff. Um, that was a bunch of stuff. And then I remember going to an ECW house show at the Mid Hudson Civic Center. I know this one. Um, that was a really funny show. Where um, a certain AEW uh, manager had a couple, had a couple. Hook's dad had a couple things to say to you. Yeah, Hook's Hook's dad had a lot of things to say to me that I don't think we can repeat in no, uh, 2021. <laughs> he was he was very. Let's just say he was very offended by the Sabu T-shirt that I was wearing because uh, Sabu and ta- uh, Sabu and Hook's dad uh, are very uh, you know not not they're oil and water you know they don't they don't mix. By the so, way, I uh, predicted Hook is going to be have AEW gold in like five years. A hundred percent. He'll probably beat. He'll cheat to beat a Hangman Page for it. it. Dude, did you see he did a he did a like throw into a cross arm arm breaker recently? Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, okay, yeah. you're great. Yeah, let's do <laughs> it. Get him on TV. Fun story. Friend of mine on uh, Long Island uh, ran a look uh, like worked for one of the largest lacrosse supply chains on Long Island. Oh, of course. And, uh, here we go. Uh, fitted, dad was there. <laughs> fitted hook with uh, his uh, his whole set of gear. He said, uh, "A uh, hook's dad spent a bunch of money that day and uh, got hook all fitted for the season for uh, when he was like you know thirteen or something." As hook's dad would. Good. As hook's dad would. So what was your what was your first indie show? So okay, so all right, this is this it's is NWS. At some uh, VOW. Very close. <laughs> very close. Very close. My friend, uh, my friend Alfred Carl, host of the Essential Wrestling Podcast, okay. um, is he uh, currently is on the Zamboni crew for the uh, New York Islanders. Okay. Uh, before he worked for the Islanders, he worked for the Devils for a few years. And before he worked for the Devils, he worked for uh, an arena in Montclair. And he was there for many years, like managing the ice, running the Zam crew, running the leagues, making sure everything was tight. So the family that owned the Montclair Arena also had a secondary arena in Danbury, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Danbury, Connecticut is the stomping grounds of big time wrestling. Was Ron Zombie on this show? Oh boy, don't spoil it! (laughs) So... My friend Alfred calls me and he says, hey, um, they're looking for some event staff security guys for this indie wrestling show. Do you want to do it? And I said, does one leg of duck swim in a circle? I guess he does. I never <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so, uh, so we made the sojourn from New Jersey to Danbury, Connecticut, uh, where we were... Uh, you know, fitted with the brightest of bright yellow event staff t-shirts. And um, during during uh, one of the matches, uh, 
uh, I believe, yeah, it, it might have actually featured uh, the aforementioned Ron Zombie in a dog collar match against Mr. T.A. managed by Johnny Fabulous, a.k.a. John Cena's dad. John Cena's dad, that's right. Oh, my the, God. John Cena's dad was the manager of all of the heels on the show. He was, he literally, I'm looking at it, he had three three different segments on this show at, uh, you know, the Skate Zone in Danbury. Oh, my God. Uh, the singles match, so I'll run it down real quick. We have Evan Eagle defeating Jack Maverick. We have Roxy Laveau defeating Lufisto oh. by disqualification. Roxy Laveau, former, uh, formerly of TNA. That is correct. Uh, this is Lufisto a couple years after her CCW run as Iron Man champion. She also is saying she's coming to the States? I hope so. I think there's uh, rumblings about her coming into Ring of Honor, possibly. Makes sense. The tournament. You know what? I actually might be able to confirm that for you. I'll find out. Wonderful. Scoops. Two scoops. And then uh, here we go. We have the, the BTW dog collar match with Ron Zombie versus Mr. TA and Johnny Fabulous. Now, even though it was a dog collar match, this one went into the crowd. And oh, this one go into the crowd. Okay. So as an event staff, we had the meeting before the show, and they said, okay, this match is going to be a brawl, and it's going to go out into the crowd. We need one of you guys to keep the fans from coming down the bleachers and getting too close to the action. So that was my job. When I saw them, I was like, I saw them, I was like, okay, this is the match where it's going to happen. They do the thing, they roll out of the ring, they come over into my section, and then the other security guys get close to them. And then I see them start coming up to my bleachers. So I, instead of going to them, I go around and up and then down. So that way, as they're coming up, I can meet them and then stop everyone else from being right. in the way. So That's I'm your classic, you know, yellow shirt security, a.k.a. red shirt security, whatever. But that was like the bit to sort of keep them. They could brawl in the crowd, but to keep everyone else away and all that other stuff. So for people who don't know Ron Zombie, while we're, we're laughing, his whole gimmick is he looks like Rob Zombie, the singer. That's it. That's literally it. He was at the gimmick table with Just Incredible and Dan... Uh, um, Omofsky? The Baldies. Not uh, Angel. Tony, Tony DeVito. Tony DeVito, yes. Yeah. So it's yeah, just it incredible. In that region. Yeah. It's just incredible. Tony DeVito and Ron Zombie. And I'm getting my poster signed. And I was like, you know, hey guys, you know, loved all your stuff in ECW. Like that stuff was really great. Love seeing all that stuff. And then I get to Ron Zombie and he goes, Oh, so I guess you're gonna tell me that you loved everything on my on my northeast indie career? And I was like, uh yeah. Cause I didn't know who Ron Zombie was. I'm not like, like, I don't know, dude. I'm from New Jersey. I've never seen you wrestle before today, but I'm not going to tell you that because you've already got your mind made up, my friend. Mm, Ronnie. So here we go. So the rest of this, the rest of this, so that was, so we have the big draw and then that's intermission. So we come back hot with the number one contendership money in the bank ladder match as what year Benny, is this, by the way, uh, 2008. Okay. 
So we have a number one contendership Money in the Bank ladder match. Benny Jux versus Brian Fury versus Jose Perez versus Malice versus Max Bauer, who all lost to one Jay Lethal. I popped Jay Lethal hard at a um, Ring of Honor press event because I did a show. I did the publicity for a show, and the main event was a TLC match. It's for Unreal Championship Wrestling. Unreal that, Championship Wrestling. That was filmed by one of my my best friends, one of whom has now won an Emmy. Uh, on that show included um, Kevin Matthews, uh, Danny DeMonto, uh, and Jay Lethal. And the main event was a TLC match, which was strung up by Twine. Uh, Jay Lethal, Azriel, and my my friend at the time, uh, Rush Margera from Jersey All Pro. Oh, man. And I brought that up to Jay Lethal in a press room in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Every it was a dead quiet, you know, Rumble. Just we're all talking about Ring of Honor, it's Madison Square Garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for me, from him, for me bringing that shit up, and everyone's just like, "How does he have this deep pull?" And like, this is what happens when you post stuff on the Declaration of Independence message board. And when I brought that part up, he laughed even harder because uh, that was that was just a. Uh, if you thought Batista walked through a pit of danger, anyone who posted on that site was a. It was a. Pit. Oh, oh yeah, the DOI. If you know, you know. Oh, if you know, you know. Um, like, oh my gosh, who else was on that this card? Brian Fury. Okay. He was a. He was a northeast guy, a north uh, a New England guy for sure. I feel like I canceled. Um, oh, he see. did. <laughs> yeah. Whoops! I I can't, uh, Ma- I can't Max Smashmaster uh, is the new head guy in charge of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Oh, Max! Uh, oh, good to see he's, he's doing something. Yeah, yeah. He's they've got they've got a full gym on top of a training facility. If you're in the New England area and need a place to wrestle, uh, Max Smashmaster's your guy. New England Pro Wrestling Academy, not a sponsor. Uh, so let's see. Uh, in the in the heavyweight title, I quit match. We have John Walters. Ring oh of Honor, boy! Or John Walters defeating Two Cold Scorpio for the BTW Heavyweight Title in an I Quit match. Brother, I was not pleased because no, Two Cold Scorpio is my boy. John Walters yeah. is a good technical wrestler. I saw yes, him in Ring of Honor, but he in two thousand in two thousand eight, I wanted to see that four fifty. I wanted to see that tumbleweed. tumbleweed. I don't want to dance. I have a I have an awful Mark photo with like me and my giant yellow T-shirt and Tuco Scorpio. I don't know where it is, but it's hilarious. Um, and then we we have the let me up. We have the let me up tag team match of the French Connection of Antoine Ra and the Rush with Johnny Fabulous in his third segment of the match of the night. They defeat Kurt Adonis and Scott Ashworth. I feel like Scott Ashworth was somebody. Maybe Darby Allen just beat Cesar Bononi, by the way. Oh, sweet. <laughs> if, then, you, if you had any doubt. <laughs> oh, that's right. And then in the main event, we have uh, the six person tag team match of Team 3D, Brother Devon, Brother Ray, and Spike Dudley defeating Just Incredible, Tony DeVito, and Lufisto after Lufisto takes the Dudley bomb through a table. So well, every time Lufisto posts any kind of picture with the Dudley boys or with uh, you know Spike Dudley or whatever, I was like, that was Danbury, Connecticut. I was there. And she was like, you're right. That was from Danbury, Connecticut. You're right. So that was a lot of fun. And then I saw a JPW show in 2009 in Rahway. 
which featured us. I'm not going to run down the whole thing, but there was a singles match between Bandito Jr., who defeated no, Prince Mustafa Ali, aka Mustafa Ali, aka Ali, aka the guy who's burning it down with Ricochet on main event and matches nobody watches, but they should because they're awesome matches. Oh man, I can't wait for him to get his release at AEW. It'd be great. I can't wait until Ricochet gets his release and catches uh, passes and touchdowns from Jalen Hurts in oh, Philadelphia. Come on, that should happen. That should. And uh, the main event of this JPW show is uh, the aforementioned Jay Lethal defeating Azrael Homicide in Teddy Hart uh, in a JPW four-way match. And the reason why I mentioned this this show and Did how Teddy this Hart was... had a sermon after that because I was at a Teddy Hart. I've been in plenty of Teddy Hart Jersey All Pro matches where he just cuts like rambling promos. I was also at the Teddy Hart Ring of Honor Scramble Cage match where he threw up in midair oh. doing the backflips. And my dad said, What a douche. And I'm like, <laughs> Legend. Legend. And we saw Not his bag be ejected from the back as he was walking out. Everything about that is legendary from your dad calling him a douche to seeing that happen. Oh, you know who threw the bag out? Tony, I think it was Tony DeVito. Oh, all right. Full circle. The uh, match on that show that I saw was uh, the Osirian portal of Amasis and Ophidian and defeated Incoherence, Frightmare, and Hallow Wicked. This was uh, my favorite match of the show. And then when I found out that, I was like, wait a minute. There's a whole fed of dudes who do just that the whole time? Sign me up. And that's how I first, you know, started following Takara, at least from afar, and then went to my first show in 2011, which was a King of Trios that had, like, Akira Tozawa on it, and El Generico, and Ultramanus Black, and, uh, oh, you know, uh, Miami Toyota was on that show. Like, it was incredible. So, like... Yeah, my first real indie was a Jersey All Pro Seaside Heights Boardwalk show sponsored by B98.5. Fantastic. Um, uh, main event was Low Key versus Steve Carino. Uh, this was in two. I want to say two thousand two, on the on the RF video release, which is now streaming on IWTV. Me and my dad are front and center. Hit Squad takes on Balls and Axel. We got a, an autographed photo for my mom for her, for Christmas. My dad's like, "This is your Christmas present from Balls Mahoney." It's a picture of Balls Mahoney with a Wolverine claw spike gigging Terry Funk in the forehead. And he's like, and my dad's like, can you make this out to Doris? And Balls looks at us with all sincerity, cigarette in his mouth, cheesesteak in his hand saying, do you spell Doris with one R or two? Incredible. And we're like, it's one. Someone then yells at actual match because he didn't hit uh, Monster Mac that, that hard. And he goes, like, hit him harder, you whip. And he's like, I hurt my arm, dude. He was like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> and I was just like, and I turned around. I'm like, I mean, we should give him a break. <laughs> like, uh, who else was on? S uh, Red was on that show. Homicide. Uh, uh, Rook Dog, Young Boy, Jay Lethal. Um, yeah, it was a good show. Uh, Allison Danger on that show as well. Um, I think my dad fell in love with Allison Danger on that show. Uh, I was just like, you're like in your 60s. That's weird. Uh, and he was just like, hey. <laughs> Heart wants with the heart wants. So I'm like, aren't you married, my mom? He's like, shut up. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he's like, <laughs> uh, so let's get to our get to our final segment. We're talking about championing uh, an underrated 
wrestler out there. Like I said, the first episode I did, I talked about Jerry Lynn. Who do you got? I mean, I was thinking about it, and then, and it wasn't like one person really came to like my head because there's so many. Like you could think of like underrated legend. You could think underrated. You know who was underrated from you know like childhood. Who was underrated? Who's a guy like Nick Bockwinkle? Nobody talks about Nick Bockwinkle anymore. I mean, he was awesome in the mid '80s, but like nobody really talks about him anymore like he was yeah. a guy jericho watched when jericho was a kid oh yeah um, you know he would he would use big words and he would you know have the title and bobby heenan was his manager and like you know it's weird it's weird that there's going to be a generation of people who are going to be like who's bobby heenan you know like yeah. it's scary to me but it's it's what it is like you know it's how sort of things go but uh underrated i'd say i'd mentioned him a bunch of times and i'm gonna say it again zombie. Too Cold Scorpio, man. Too Cold Scorpio, underrated. And, like, I mean, underrated back then, underrated right now. Like, right now, this weekend, uh, I don't know when this is dropping, but uh, check it'll IWTV. Drop, it'll drop next week, early next week. Early next week? Okay, so go back on IWTV and watch the latest event from Sean Henderson. It's Sean Henderson's birthday bash. Where two I don't know who Sean Henderson is, but he keeps throwing these shows. He's a dude from South Jersey who's, I guess, involved, but like, he he works out. He puts host shows out of the um, the H two O arena. It's the only place anyone hosts shows in South Jersey. It's um, yeah, it's it's Matt Tremont's place. Matt Tremont's awesome. I can't He's, say I can't say anything bad about Matt Tremont. Dude, I, I still am hoping one day him and Cody. Um, I would love to see that happen. I would um, too. Or um, a, a, a Matt Tremont can second El Gordo Loco um, to the ring in when and when El Gordo Loco takes on Cody Rhodes on national television. I don't know who El Gordo Loco is. I gotta tell you, it's a blind spot. It's Matt Tremont in a mask, but I didn't say that. <laughs> I was say, wondering if that was. I was wondering hey, if that's. Hey, brother. I thought it was PN News. It's coming out. PN <laughs> News was a heel in ECW. No. Oh my God! So he comes he, out. He had like two matches, right? He had a run with the Baldies. He was, I was a, out by then. Uh, so he comes out and he does the. He's wearing a New York Yankee. Is in the arena, so he's wearing a New York Yankees jersey. So instant heat. He does the yo baby yo baby yo. Instant heat. Instant heat, and then he says something about I can't remember the rap. Then he says. And Philly sucks. And, yeah, yeah. and it's like Mick Foley paint by numbers how to get booze. And then who comes out to who comes out to squash him? LSD. Little Spike okay. Dudley. Kicked to the kicked to the Nards. Kicked to the as Steve Carino once so elegant eloquently sung ROH commentary. A kick to the clown will keep a good man down. And that's exactly what happened. Right to the old yams and ask <laughs> drop. One, two, three. Over. But Too Cold Scorpio, man. Tim Donst. He's having a match with Tim Donst. On oh, my you can go back. You can go back and watch it There's on IWTV. Uh, uh, as this drops it, it would have already happened this Sunday afternoon. I feel so like he's would... wrestling more and more, though, Scorpio. Or at least yeah. on this type of show. Well, or is it I mean, just he's, VSX? He's, yeah, he's VSX. Violence and suffering. There's another Fed who was like, we're going to book all the Chikara guys, and then never did. Um 
I keep I keep tabs. Everyone, every one of you dumb wrestling indie feds, when Chikara blew up, were like, "I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure that these Chikara kids can still have a place to wrestle." Huh. And then you never book them, you pieces of shit. It's true. Anyway, oh hey, uh, hey, uh, Lauderdale, check it. This one's for you. You need flippy boys on your shows. How about booking the whisper? He's local and he's awesome, and he's better than half those other dudes you put in your show. Oh, so book the whisper. Fighting? He's got a big match. The Whisper, Lauderdale. He's got a big one this weekend, too. Uh, he should have a big one every weekend. A dude should be on TV. Dude's brilliant. Book book him. Book the Whisper at gmail.com. Book the poor um, gmail.com. I, it's okay. Well, it's the first time you ever saw Stoop Cold Scorpio because I have a very distinct memory. Would have to be a Clash of the Champions. Was it the Clash of the Champions match where it was a handicap match? It was Ron Simmons and it was supposed to be his per. Tag team partner, who I don't even remember this guy. Hard work Bobby Walker. Uh, I remember the name. I, yeah. I couldn't tell so, you what he looked like, but I could. Re I remember the he name. He could look like my mom, and I couldn't tell you if he looked like who he was. Uh, taking on the very weird trio of Tony Atlas, the Barbarian, and Cactus Jack. That is a very weird trio. And they're like, hard work has been taken out. We don't know who this partner is going to be. And I rewatched this match recently, and out comes Two Cold Scorpio, and everyone's like, "We don't know." And Jim Ross is like, "I don't know who this guy is, but oh my god!" And he comes out, <laughs> and, and Jim Ross. People want to, you know, people want to rag on Jim Ross and his commentary in AEW. He literally jumped out of his flesh when Two Cold Scorpio hit the 450 in this match. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God! Yeah. He, like, lost it. Meanwhile, Jesse Ventura is pulling what Jim Ross says now. He's just like, I don't get it. You know something, JR. I think this is off the grid. Uh, but, <laughs> but this is, again, this is all we do. And Cara, Have you ever been to Mexico, Gorilla? Have you ever been down there? Um, I, 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 held, I told Arnold to propose to Maria. Uh, I've heard <laughs> that from interviews from him so many times. Um, but Two Cold Scorpio hits the 450. I'm watching with my dad. My dad, like, I'm like 10. He, like, punches me in the arm. He's like, did you see that? I'm like, one, ow, two, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's just like, and then I remember Scorpio was teaming with uh, Buff yep. for a long time. Then all of a sudden... I lose track of him and he's flash funk. Another guy who came in in 96 and he was, I was like, Oh, that's too cold Scorpio. Yeah. Cool. Cause I, rem I remembered him a little bit from clash of the, from like the, like I would watch at least the clash of the champions. Like if I wasn't watching the six Oh five stuff every week, like, and I'm talking during the time where I didn't really, wasn't really following stuff. Right, right. I would at least still watch the clash of the champions um to to like watch the bigger you know shows with that stuff but um and i remember two cool scorpio being great and then like he's just a dude who's like he's still got it and still is able to move and still is able to flip like uh one of the early house of hardcore shows in philly he wrestled john morrison and oh it was it was awesome but they did a lot of like they did a super athletic stuff but it was a very like stop start match yeah, I can see that. And the Got nerds it. in Philly, the Young Bucks were in the, in the next match, so they started chanting, like, Young Bucks, Young Bucks. And I was like, dude, Two Cold Scorpio, like, the Young Bucks wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Two Cold Scorpio doing it first. Yeah. You know? So, like, I have a little respect, yeah, heathens. 
what would you say are some like because that's a button thing about Scorpio what people don't know he is a big dude he is a very he's 250 big pounds he, and he's not short either he is no. he, he is a big guy he's like a yeah. linebacker who's flying through the air and still is doing that to this day in his 50s graceful like he has hang time when he does a backflip he just floats through the air like no one else I've ever seen do it like he just he just floats through the air like I've never seen anybody do a, a backflip leg drop yeah. you know the he dude has this, he has a great he did that I remember the first time I saw that because I kept hearing about the tumbleweed I, didn't, I I don't remember seeing him do it tumbleweed common mistake the tumbleweed is a somersault forward somersault leg drop yeah the moon salt leg drop is drop the bomb so i saw drop the bomb and drop the bomb i remember seeing that he was in um it was the acclaimed four-way where it's him jericho pitbull one and shane douglas that is a match that was on the ecw comp like uh pioneer home video comp those are so good. They were really good. Some My of buddy Ed still has all of those to this day. And, and yeah, so go hunt that one down. If it's on the network, go find it. It's that four-way. Like, Scorpio is incredible because he gets towards the end because he held every belt in ECW but the world title. Right. They At one point, he was two gold Scorpio with the TV oh. title and the tag title of Sandman. Like, once um, I got into ECW in 97 – so, like, I think the second episode of ECW television I ever saw was WrestlePalooza 97, oh. which was Raven, Dreamer's last match, which turns into the schmaz, which brings out a Rob Van Dam, and then Jerry Lawler and Sabu and Sandman, and then it turns into Sabu, Taz 2, the rematch for the first time on TV, is basically what Paul Heyman called, like, the greatest hour of television that he's ever written in his career. Oh, yeah. And that was the second episode of ECW I ever saw. So I was like, oh, oh my God, channel, God, this is incredible. What's that? It's on Sports Channel? That was on Madison Square Garden Network. Oh, so you were getting that. Okay. Because I was sure because I would, I got ECW in, in, uh, yeah, on, on MSG at 2 a.m. MSG, 2 a.m. Saturdays. Like, I would, uh, I remember I worked at, a, I worked at a Pizza Hut. And uh, would manage like Saturday would be a big day, you know. We'd have we'd all have a good time, you know, being busy but work. And then you know we'd close at like ten, and I would take home a pie and some sticks to my to my friend Brian's house. And uh, you know we'd hang and shoot pool and play video games until you know two in the morning when ECW came on, and then we threw in that VHS tape, we smashed record, and then taped like watched the show and taped it at the same time, and like that was. You know that was our that was our Saturday night, man. So that was um, me. It was Barnes and Noble, coming home. I'd stay up, and uh, I get home at midnight, stay up for like an hour or so, then pop in the tape. And I used to hate it if it was on a delay, and the Rangers would go into OT playing on the West Coast. I'd be like, I don't care shit about hockey. One ninety four, right? Uh, like Flash, I want flashbacks, that. flashbacks to when the Braves would go long and six oh five wrestling wouldn't start I mean, because I mean we're stupid watching Braves baseball. I mean we're I mean I'm I'm sort of watching in the corner of my dynamite on ten o'clock because of goddamn basketball. Right, it's gonna be right. that way for like a month. This is if if there was any ever a missable episode of Dynamite, I think we're we've caught one. So this is, I mean they're doing a weigh in right now, and yeah. there's like nine thousand people out with Cody Rhodes right now. My buddy. Shit. The if this was if this was a, if this was a live event, I'd be in the concourse right now. So, oh, I'd be, I'd, I'd be hammered at this point. Um, 
But yeah, so what would you say your Too Cold Scorpio match? For people who've never seen Too Cold Scorpio, just heard the name, I'd be like, I remember Flash Funk. I remember him being mad when the New Age Outlaws threw the dumpster off the stage. Because I always remember him being front and center. I'm like, where the hell have you been? You're just mad at the Outlaws. That's it. Uh, yeah, we- he was, and then they tried. They tried to put him in the Job squad. squad, and that sort of never really took and off. The Terry Funk. Yeah, I want. Which I mean, in theory would is a super great team. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't want to see the Funk brothers, Terry Funk and Flash Funk, team up and uh, you know get crazy? But because he was he was big in New Japan, he went to Noah for a long time. No, his Noah stuff is excellent. I mean, so I've never seen any of his Noah stuff. I mean, you could just search YouTube Too Cool Scorpio Noah and you'll get a bunch of them. Like, it a bunch he, of good ones will come out. Was he a tag champ with Vader? Yes, because they were both from Colorado. They're friends. They're boys because they're Colorado, both from Colorado. Colorado connection. Yeah. No, they, they legit. That was the thing. Like, um, him, he, like, even, even like when Vader would be like real hard to deal with for a lot of people would be deal with, like, they would almost go through Scorpio and he would almost be a liaison or like, tell Leon to chill out or whatever, you know, but, um, I mean, uh, I remember Flash Funk had a great match with Rob Van Dam on Raw. Oh, that's and right. The following week, Sabu had a great match with Robin or Sabu had a great match with Tuco Scorpio on Raw. Um, a lot of his ECW stuff, like, um, I want to say he had a, he had an ECW match with Sabu that was like a 20 minute draw in like 96. And they put that match on either like the highest flyers or one of the um, ECW DVDs that had come out. Like the unreleased was like basically like ECW unreleased. I think they did three volumes of DVDs, mm-hmm. and it was on one of those. Um, he did a match, a Cyber Slam match, I think, with Masato Tanaka in two thousand. Okay, that was really cool. And he That's came out with, one. and he did. Oh, I think he, did he do with? He did he do um. He might have done one with Mike Awesome. And I remember and- House Party 98. Um, Scorpio had a killer match with Taz, with Hook's dad. Hook's and, dad, uh, baby. Hook's dad. Uh, he had a killer match with him. And it was afterwards, it was so funny. Um, uh, Taz gets in the mic and he goes, I ain't never heard of nobody named Flash Funk. But uh, Too Cold Scorpio, the person, the wrestler, the man, the- I admire. He's welcome in my locker room anytime. And they like shook hands or whatever. But I always I always love to get in the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Awesome, Too Cold Scorpio. Oh, it you know what? That match actually happened for uh, on ECW on TNN. And you know when that happened? I remember it now. It was on my birthday. Oh, wonderful. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to me. Tremendous. So yeah, he, uh, he was a king in King of Trios. He was Team ECW. Yes, he was. I uh, believe which was him, Dreamer, and no, 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 no. He, uh, wait, he was on a team, but what happened was his team lost the first day, so he was then put into the Ray Devoldoris tournament. Yeah, and he, oh, one of my favorite Chikara matches of all time, Matt Cross. Versus Amasis. Generico? Versus Shenron. Versus 
to Cold Scorpio. Shenron is now Zenshi. Zenshi, yes. Uh, MLW, yes. Yeah. Um, but that was I was like, dude, four of my fate, four of like my favorite high flyers in a flippy match for ten minutes. I believe that was King of Trios twenty sixteen. It was the one. For, it was one from Pennsylvania because I was there for it. It was not the year they went to the UK. Yeah, so definitely check out those two raw matches. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know what's on Peacock and what's not. So you might want to look that up. Definitely the four-way I mentioned it with Jericho, Scorpio, Douglas, and Pitbull. Um, if you could find that Chikara match, the Raid Valdores. That's on IWTV from King of Trios. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, what's also cool is, like, if you I, have any of these this, streaming services, like YouTube, IWTV, High Spots TV, when it says search, just type in a wrestler's name. And, like, yeah. stuff, like, shows that they're on just pops up. And then you can be like, oh, I never knew about that. And then, you know, you have, yeah. you just built yourself a pretty sweet watch list of tons and, of matches by this guy you haven't seen before. And ironically, he is one, he is the, he steals this Collision in Korea episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which with this is airing, this will be two weeks ago. Um, he is, he steals it. He steals it from Anoki. He steals it from even the story itself. It's just like, him talking about wanting to straight up murder Road Warrior Hawk. I mean, that steals it. So too cold Scorpio, man. Uh Kenny, oh man, there's that one story I want to tell about. I want to tell that with you and MVP, but I want to save that because that there's a lot there's we just can't tell that on the air. Uh um, well, MVP's awesome. Uh, he's another dude who I think he could go for and uh, be an underrated guy. I mean, the for as much uh, stuff that he does on TV and how great his most recent run with Bobby Lashley has been like, that's, it's just icing on the cake. Like his indie run was great before that. He was, Japan first, run was very underrated. he was the first ever new Japan intercontinental champion. Um, that was crowned in 2011, formerly and uh, actually enough on an East coast tour, um, at the ECW arena. I actually saw, um, he defeated uh, the Rahway when he that tour came in 2011. They did Rahway, New Jersey, Basketball City, and the ECW Arena. And I saw, uh, I believe, MVP defeated Okada. Yep. MVP defeated Okada in the first round of the Intercontinental title tournament match. Oh, goddamn, son. Rahway, New Jersey. So, I mean, it was incredible. Um and uh, MVP also has a uh, used to have a great podcast called the VIP Lounge on the MLW Network, uh, where's him and Alex Greenfield just sort of kicking it. And um, what a lot of people don't know about uh, MVP is that he is a big fan of punk and hardcore music. Yeah, he is. And um, he was actually in the works of like, I think he was working with. I don't know if it was the dude from Gaslight or I forget like what band, but he was literally going to be working with a dude in a famous guitar player, like on an actual hardcore album where he was going to sing and like make a legit record. So, um, so I can, so I love being able to talk to wrestlers about music and stuff. Um, so wearing a fishbone t-shirt to, uh, see MVP and have us, uh, you know, uh, wax poetic about that kind of stuff was always pretty cool. Another quick story. Um, I met, uh, William Regal did an appearance for evolve in Joppa, Maryland in, I guess like 2015. 
And he, uh, while he was a wrestler, like many wrestlers, did security at, like, nightclubs. So he, uh, remember William Regal tweeting about doing security at a club in England for um, Aswad and Inner Circle. It was this big, like, reggae show. And so I remember when I met Mr. Regal, I talk to him about those bands and I guarantee you I was the only person that day in Joppa, Maryland to talk to Regal about reggae music where he was pro wrestling. Oh, uh, was it when Flash Morgan Webster was like doing his podcast? He, he was talking about how Regal was a big mod and he would talk about, he was a big Northern soul and ska and fan. So he said he would, he would get into, he would like cut it up with him about that. So don't let that, uh, you know, fastidious uptight nature, Get it. That guy was out there. He was he was skanking. Don't worry. That's right. Skanking to the beat is an IRA feeling. Oh, absolutely. Job bless, my brother. Um, God bless. Uh, Kenny, why don't you uh, – this, this brings uh, – close the episode, but not the last time we're going to see you on this series. So uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, wonderful. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kenny P. Drums with a Z. Kind of like how uh, dudes will talk about moves on the internet, wrestling moves on the internet, the dudes with all the moves. So it's uh, Kenny P. Drums on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also manage Lucha Rock Band, The Mystery Men, who are at The Mystery Men on Twitter. And I play drums in a Jersey Shore reggae band called Dub Proof. Uh, we've got a show coming up on June 12th in Ocean Township, New Jersey for Shore Grow Organics. Uh, Doug is a good dude over there. He sells the really dank soil to make sure that your vegetables are organic and fruitful and uh, bountiful, full of nutrients. Uh, good good, good people doing good things over there. Don't you also have a, a beer? Uh, Doug Proof has a beer from Fire Brewery. Oh, yes. Uh, Fry Brewing Company. Fry, uh, great friends. Um, one of the uh, local homebrew here in Point Pleasant. They created a, a Doppelbach winter beer. It's a German lager. I'll actually read. I'll read the description for you off the souvenir can that I got. Doppelbach style dark lager with malty bready notes from Munich, Vienna and Victory malts. There you go. So um, this actually the first batch as uh, here and gone was a great success. It was a wintertime beer, you know. When you think reggae band, you think real thick, heavy winter beer. Of course. So um, so maybe we'll get a uh, a nice lighter fruity haze bro crusher for the summertime, or maybe we'll just get another version of the Doppelbach next season. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, Fry Brewing Company, Point Pleasant. Tell them Dub Proof sent you. They'll right. be happy. Fun and good times. Yeah, and of course, you can find this episode. We drop monthly on Anchor, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S, where it's mostly uh, wrestling stuff and retweets from thepopbreak.com, your best source for interviews, news, and reviews. And interviews, we don't really do news that much anymore. The best. Uh, I re I am going to be out the wazoo with uh, wrestling content. You could uh, hear me. I was the uh, fill-in co-host on the All Elite podcast with Kyle Masters talking about Double or Nothing. Great I was listen. On, Great listen, by the way. My I good buddy, you know why you, you and Kyle get along. You know where he's from? Canada. 
That's right. David Schultz are, are like BFFs. Um, right. Also, just was on the Bob Culture podcast talking about all elite wrestling's double or nothing. I had an interview, well, roundtable wrap up with Cody Rhodes that just dropped. I have a double or nothing preview with Marjani Rawls coming up this Sunday. I uh, probably have, I'm going to do an Aldi pod drop in for uh, double or nothing review. And uh, yeah, so lots of stuff happening there. Oh, and I'm reviewing dynamite, which I just remembered. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot. Uh, AW Don. AW Don. AW Don. It's the big Don, Tommy Rich. We could have done a whole episode on Tommy Rich, by the way. Tell me about it. Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich just did a guest spot in AIW. Uh, another awesome fed Wild. from Cleveland, Ohio, AIW, Wildfire Tommy Rich. They tell they have a podcast. It's called The Card Is Going to Change. Five stars, highly recommend it. I'm, I'm, last, I'm listening to that on my trip up to New York. To the know. last, the last episode that they did, it was either the last episode or the one beforehand. But it's literally Wildfire Tommy Rich stories. Must listen. Telling you, get in on it. The card is going to change. AIW, incredible. Wildfire. Dude, if you I look like you look like you got some mushrooms. I'm trying to trip. <laughs> trying to get some psilocybin, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, Tommy, not me, man. Oh, oh, all right, but you hear about it. You let a wildfire know, all right. God damn. I, if I get some weed. AW, if you don't book Tommy Rich for a Legends Night, I don't know what you're doing, brother. Um, or let's get a Mance Warner Tommy Rich title run somewhere. That would be. Strap him up, dude. Let's let's rock it to the moon. Let's go. Dude. Southern style. Let's Good get morning, it. Baby. Uh, so, yeah, check out uh, Pop Break at the Pop Break on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and forward slash popbreak.com. I'll spell down on Facebook. So. For the notorious Kenny Pete, I'm Bill Bodkin. Uh, well, thank you for checking out this Wrestling Life of Podcast episode one. We're going to return next month. Uh, my regular co-host Melissa Jobin will be joining us, and her and I will be discussing her journey into wrestling. And Kenny will be back with Melissa and I to discuss a very controversial, underrated wrestler who we've mentioned on this podcast who loves pink and black. It's a four it's out. Gonna of 10. Be. It's going to be a four out of ten episode. Don't worry. Peace. Get wrecked, bots.